0: Well, aloha everyone. I am Mel, and today our listeners, um, all of you, are in for a wonderful treat. I have with me today Barbara Harding, who has been a friend and a moderator. She started off as a Single-Handed Knits podcast listener or watcher, and then was invited to become a moderator on the board for our Ravelry group for the Single-Handed Knits podcast. She's also been a fantastic test knitter for me in the past, and just a wonderful friend. We were able to meet in real life in Maine last November, and it was definitely a highlight of the time spent in Maine. And now she is going to be allowing me to ask her different questions that I think you all would be interested to hearing. And she's going to be a guest teacher or facilitator or sharer in our summer camp. So, aloha, Barb. Aloha. Good to be here. I'm glad to have you here. Tell us on Ravelry and anywhere else you may be what your name is, because obviously you don't go by Barb.
1: No, my Ravelry name and... Instagram. I don't really Twitter, um, or tweet. Uh, is NML Nut? If you say it fast, it comes out Animal Nut because I am an animal nut, <laughs> nuts for animals.
0: Oh, good. So people will be able to plug in with you, and you are on Instagram, right?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yep. That's my favorite. I think out of all the different social mediums. Yeah, I love seeing pictures of what other people are doing. Yeah. All right, well, let's hop into it. I've got five (laughs) questions for you that I am excited to ask and listen to your answers to. So are you ready?
1: I'm ready. Let's
0: go. What is your first memory of doing your craft?
1: Well, uh, probably the first craft I remember doing, um, and my favorite craft still is probably knitting. And I, I'm the youngest of four kids. Um, my older sisters are significantly older. One's 11 years older. And she, so I always wanted to do what they were doing. Um, my mom was a knitter. So I remember being about four, four years old. And my sister was making a quilt where um, in those days, in the olden days, <laughs> you could go to Woolworths and buy 100% wool, worsted weight yarn in all different colors So she would go, she'd take me up to the store and we'd buy different colors and then we'd split the skeins. And her idea was to cast on about 30 stitches, knit a garter stitch square, sew all these different colors together for an afghan. So I thought that was the coolest ever. And I remember sitting next to my mom who was teaching me how to knit. She cast on for me and then I would sit next to her and knit. And I remember the orange yarn and, um... She always made me sit there until I finished a row. And sometimes, you know, for a four-year-old, 30 stitches is a very long row. <laughs> and she would um, she'd make me sit there till I finished the row. So I got bored, and I remember slipping all the stitches to the other needle so I didn't have to knit them. So I just would slip them all to the right needle. And I just was so amazed that she knew I didn't knit those stitches. She was, some kind, she was some kind of magic wizard. I don't know how she knew that.
0: <laughs> so. Oh, my goodness. Did you ever complete one of those Afghans like your sister? Well, actually,
1: um, just last month, I was going through all my stuff. And, you know, as most fiber people have a lot of stuff. Um, and I found all the squares in a bag in my closet. So I got them all out and I washed them all. And I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to put it together. I still have that original orange square.
0: Oh my, my goodness! My first
1: knitting project, so I'm going to make that this year is my goal. I don't know if I'm going to crochet them together or probably crochet them with like just a black worsted weight or something like that.
0: Oh well, since you've so. shared it with us, I'm going to have to beg off on a picture when you get a moment to take a picture of that and I can post it. So everybody can see these little strips. Not the finished object, just the object in pieces. I don't know about you, but I always feel better when I see people with these long projects that they have yet to do. But since you were four, you've been doing that. Yeah, it's about 50 years now (laughs) or (laughs) so.
1: The longest running project ever.
0: Uh, Okay, so with that as a project um, and kind of keeping those projects in mind, I'm going to ask another question to you about what has been your biggest delight within your craft and why does it stand out to you? Um,
1: well, I have to say, well, when, when you asked me to do this and, um, you know, so I'm sort of doing the sheep part of it too. I, I've always been one that, um, wants to start at the root of something, so I love to start with the, the wool. I learned how to spin when I was about 10. And um, so I guess, the, you know, as far as the whole craft, starting from the actual sheep to the finished project, my favorite, uh, most delightful time was when we had lambs. Um, birthing the lambs was always so much fun and raising them. And that would probably be the best
0: part. Oh, so now, and I know you are going to be one of the sharers in the Camp Aloha Friends. And this interview is for everyone, not just for the campers. But you have yourself a homestead farm or a hobby farm. Um, can we just get a, a real quick overview of your farm and I use that in quotations because you have a funny story about that, uh, what friends live on the farm, just so we can kind of see a little more insight into you.
1: Yeah. Um, right now we have 12 sheep and one Angora goat. Mm-hmm. I'm a farmer at all. I know you call me a farmer, but <laughs> I am not a farmer in the true sense of the word because we don't eat any of the animals. We don't even... Call any animals, which means, um, you know, basically get rid of them, slaughter them or whatever, because they're no longer um, productive members of the group. Um, So all of our sheep are pets. They all have names. They come when I call them. They, you know, that kind of thing. So it really is a hobby farm. But I do shear them. I I covered them this year. So I have some really nice fleeces out there now. And yeah. Yeah. I did have Angora rabbits. Um, my last one just passed away this last month. But oh, Patrick? Um, yeah, Patrick. Oh, I'm
0: sorry to hear that. You had Patrick yeah. for quite some time.
1: Yeah, he was old. Um, but so, he made it
0: through St. Patrick's Day. I know that he when did. we were sharing, texting back and forth. <laughs> this this yes, is news to me. I didn't yeah. know. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Okay, he, but... Um, it's quite peaceful, but anyway. From my end, the the audio kind of flickered in and out, so I've readjusted. But just to recap, what you were saying: mm-hmm. you have a hobby farm, and mm-hmm. and on that farm there lived some sheep. <laughs> <laughs> so you have sheep. And you cut out for a second. In addition to sheep, what other animals live in your barn under your roof, anywhere on your property, aside from mosquitoes and bugs? Yeah, we have. Well.
1: In the barn, we have 12 sheep and a goat, an Angora goat. So she produces mohair. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> we have uh, about a dozen chickens.
0: And they're named too, aren't they?
1: A couple of them. Okay. Not all of them. Um, but yeah, there's Veronica and... Um, yeah, that's the Walmart chicken. <laughs> she got a name. Um, oh, the
0: Walmart chicken. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, wait a minute now. You've, you've brought that up, so... <laughs> uh, now when um, you say Walmart chicken and I actually have my finger on the question so I'll come back but when you say Walmart chicken coming from Kauai which is the rooster capital I believe of the world I know right. it is of the Hawaiian Islands but um, when you say a Walmart chicken I envision just going to Walmart which was not a ordinary occurrence but you know I've been a couple of times and whenever we would go to any place you'd stop and there would be feral chickens but where you are in Pennsylvania, feral chickens are probably not very common.
1: No. And this not. one
0: was actually at Walmart.
1: She was in the parking lot, yes. And, um, you know, I work at a vet clinic, so somebody brought her, one of the employees actually, found her in the parking lot at Walmart and brought her in. And uh, I had a, I had chickens at the time, so I said, sure, I'll take her. So we brought her home, and she never really made friends with the other chickens, but she's... Um, <laughs> She's adjusting.
0: <laughs> I just I'm laughing because not at the chicken, not at Veronica, but because in the past we've had numerous chickens, the fancy chickens, the bantams, the, the all different kinds and they do have quite distinct personalities. So when you were talking about Veronica, I was thinking of Charcoal Brick Hen we had and Charcoal Brick Hen was just never never very sociable. <laughs> very yeah. standoffish. Yeah. Okay, so we have chicken. We have sheep. We have a goat. They're barn cats. Yep, yeah, we barn have some cats. barn cats that are really, you know,
1: they eat the fanciest food ever. <laughs> so <laughs> they're, they're kind of pampered barn cats.
0: And you have Ella, who is a we German Shepherd.
1: Yep, she's a black German Shepherd. We have several indoor cats, and we have a lovebird. Just one? Just one lovebird, yeah.
0: Well, I guess I shouldn't say just one. You have one, because it sounds like that's a long list of critters.
1: Yeah, Yeah. she loves
0: us. So within your craft, you were talking about how much fun it is to see the sheep being born and raising them and taking care of them. And that was something you did as a a young child, it sounds like. Or is this just in adulthood, or have you always been around animals?
1: No, this is just in adulthood. I, I have a warning to all people who have children who love animals. I would advise you to get them an animal because um, growing up, I had to beg for a gerbil, and that's the only animal we had. We had a dog when I was a young girl, and then she died when I was 11, and I had to beg for this gerbil. And when you deny a child that loves animals, animals, they sort of go crazy after a while. (laughs) (laughs) And then, uh, yeah, so... If you have a kid that loves animals, you should get him an animal.
0: And now Barb is to prevent later on uh, them going out of control. Barb is talking to you dear listeners, but yes. she's also saying this because privy to a conversation before this interview I shared with her that my husband and daughter had stopped by the animal shelter and wanted to become cat people. <laughs> <laughs> and Barb is pro cat adoption. So anyways, <laughs> Well, um, I know personally I have been gifted something by you. They were the Bella Mitts, and they are beautiful, and I am going to insert on the blog a, a photo of them. Um, people who have watched the podcast have seen me show them off, and I love them. They were knit by you, spun by you, and working backwards. They were a blend of fibers from you, right? Right.
1: Right. There's a little bit of Patrick, the Angora rabbit, who just passed away. There's a little bit of Opal, the Angora goat. And there's a little bit of Sweetie, who is a Corydale sheep.
0: Well, and this is kind of getting off on a little tangent other than the five questions, but because it's so interesting. Can you explain for a lot of us who go out to a local yarn shop and and buy yarn or we... um, online shop and have never had the, the luxury or the blessing or the joy, um, the satisfaction that comes from having these different critters, bringing them together. Can you tell us what it's like from the start to the finish of making the, that skein or skeins, however many it took, to make that in order to knit with it? Can you just share a little bit of insight on what that looks like?
1: Um well you mean as far from the shearing? Well, from I mean okay, on, so or?
0: you're starting off with nothing. Like there's there is no skein. You have mm-hmm. these little animals. How mm-hmm. are you just briefly how are you to go about having the critters with their with their coats on their body <laughs> and then you having the their coats, coats <laughs> having their you having their hair made into a beautiful pair of gloves that I, I get to wear?
1: Well, for those particular, there's a, a several different avenues you can take. Um, I have a shearer that comes and shears my animals. Mm-hmm. So he comes once a year. Well, actually, Opal the goat, I shear twice a year. And I shear her myself, usually, okay. with just some clippers, uh, uh, you know, like electric clippers. But the sheep shearer comes once a year. And so then I end up with this big fleece mm-hmm. that's quite dirty and, um, you know, greasy, dirty, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of manure in it, that kind of thing. So the first thing you do is skirt the fleece, which is taking all the dirty parts off the outside.
0: And you and do then, that by method of hand picking it out, trimming yeah, it hand, out, washing it.
1: Hand picking it, it out. Okay. So that's skirting the fleece. Okay. And it's, it's just taking the big chunks out by hand and then you wash the fleece and there's uh if you go online there's about a zillion different ways that people um recommend washing fleeces okay on uh, different temperature waters and all different kinds of ways so you wash the fleece okay um then you card it if you're doing it all by hand you card it um there's drum carders there's hand carders and that just means straightening the fibers basically and um if you have hand spinners out there, they'll know there's worsted ways to prep the fiber or woolen ways, um, and things like that. Then you spin it, and I think the mitts were a three-ply, and then knit. Okay. Now, the, the, blend that I, the, the actual blend that I used for your mitts were, was a commercially prepped. Um, so what I did was I measured... About um, well, about thirty three percent wool, thirty three percent mohair, thirty three percent. I think. Uh, angora rabbit. Send it all in a big bag to a fiber mill, and then they send me back roving.
0: Oh no way! So it's all
1: done at the mill.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, so that you don't would have be to process carding. it yourself
1: if you have animals.
0: Oh, What's that? Okay. So the part so you gathered. And you didn't mention anything about Patrick being sheared. Um, the, and, I, and There's this pregnant pause. She's probably thinking, oh, my gosh, does Mel think we have to hire somebody to come buzz cut the rabbit? No, for that, is that simply just collecting hair that, um, I guess, the rabbit may molt, or do you brush the hair specifically at certain times? Um, is there
1: a uh, – Actually, yeah, yeah. – the rabbits have to be done about every three months. Now, I had—I um, don't have any rabbits right now, but when I had rabbits, they were there. Is different breeds of angora rabbits. Mm-hmm. I had uh, German, which are a very large uh, angora rabbit. There's also English and French, um, and then there's several crosses. I I cut the fleece off of him. I used little scissors and cut them off. It was pretty labor intensive. Um, sometimes they will molt. Um, especially the English and the French, they'll molt and then you can pluck it out. But he, he, uh, my rabbits, I always just cut them. And I did it about every three months.
0: Okay. And so after you've collected rabbit, goat, and sheep fleeces, the part when you sent it over professionally to have that done, thats that still you needed to skirt it and then wash it? Or do you send it as is? to the mill and they take care of all, all steps until it comes back to you as a, as a roving.
1: You can do it either way. It depends on the mill. Mm-hmm. Uh, like with wool, you can send it as a raw fleece and they'll wash it and process it. there. the, they do everything. You just send it off. The more you send them, like if I don't skirt it before I send it, it's going to cost me more because I'd send all this stuff that can't be processed anyway.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They usually do it by weight. Um, with the Angora, you don't have to wash it before you spin it. There's no lanolin in it. So you can spin it right off the rabbit. Huh. And same with the mohair doesn't It's not as, I mean, they live out in the pasture so that it's dirty, but, um, it's not greasy like the, not as greasy as, as wool.
0: Okay. And so it came back to you, you spun it and then you knit with it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, wow. Yes. And I have them and I love them and I Actually slept in the mitts <laughs> in Maine. <laughs> I love them. I it was a little them. chilly up there. It was chilly indoors and outdoors. And my bless the the wonderful woman who was my uh, roommate. She was so sweet. And uh, yes, but I love the mitts. And it's very interesting to hear how how that is. And when you're done, it must be a different type of satisfaction that comes from completing a project, knowing that you didn't just create something but you, you you learn something different from it and yeah you're very fortunate yeah, to I be like able to starting
1: with the I like starting with the raw materials the only the only disadvantage I think is um well there's more than one disadvantage I guess but um I have white sheep all my sheep are white um you can obviously you can get colored sheep well not green and purple <laughs> and stuff <so. laughs> um so when you spin, it's all white. So I do some dyeing, but I'm not a dyer. That's not my forte. I like to do it, but I don't have a good color sense, I don't think. And when you look online and you see all these beautiful yarns that are all these different colors and, you know, just put it this way. I have a
0: big stash.
1: <laughs> and it's not <laughs> all hand-spun.
0: <laughs> oh, no, no. I can imagine. I think I, I, I saw you shopping when we remain. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well this, and I've asked them out of order uh, than what I had jotted down just because it seemed to flow better this way. So you've been talking about your biggest delight within your craft and why it stood out to you. Um, but what ways do uh, seemingly non-related things in life contribute to your creativity?
1: Um, I, I think, I, well, I think this is the question. When I'm most creative is usually when my body is doing something and my brain isn't. So when I'm running or um, driving or taking a shower, walking in nature, those are all times when my brain is most creative, I, I feel like. Do you, do you get that?
0: I do. I, I get that very deeply, actually. It resonates well with me. And I think that's one of the reasons... I enjoy, and I know this is something we share in common, I love being outside and and taking long walks. Um, And my family knows firsthand that when Melissa says she's going for a walk, don't ask me where I'm going because (laughs) I have no idea. I will just kind of start walking and see something and kind of head towards it. Especially now that we are here on the mainland, I've found a couple of times people don't respond to that very well when you're trolloping through their, their property. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Yeah. you can't just do that. But it is something that, you know, I actually I've made some interesting friendships with some neighbors that, um, that I've kind of wandered through uh, their backyard just to see an interesting tree or a collection of something. So yes, wandering around in nature, I think is fun. And like you said, running, it, it frees, it frees your mind. But what are some, um, what are some sources that you've been inspired by to create a specific project? Oh, you, me, you inspire me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We're going to have to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, no people like, what do you mean? And I'm not asking, like, for for me. I'm just wondering, like, uh, I guess people do inspire you. And have you been inspired specifically to create a a specific project because someone else has done it? Oh,
1: all the time. Hmm. All the time. I, this is, this is my, this is like a cursing and a blessing type of thing. A curse and a blessing. Blessing and a curse. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anything that somebody shows me I tend to get interested in, so it can be anything. I mean, it's like auto mechanics, practically. You know, mm-hmm. um, so any kind of project that I see, like when I go, you know, at the at the main retreat, mm-hmm. anything anybody's working on, I want to do that. So I'm, yeah, it's uh, any any time I you know I listen to your podcast, like oh, I'm, you know, oh, I'm putting that in my queue. <laughs> so
0: you knit yeah, paper's I journey. Do what
1: anybody else is doing. Yeah, I did. And now I've met like three or four of them.
0: That's the one I will say that um, I love seeing people's Piper's journeys. Auntie Paula's, uh, she's my hero. I just love her. or She's my heroine. Yeah. Um, yeah. What was really fun yeah. is when we did, I think that was my very first KAL that I did on the, the podcast was Auntie Paula's journey, or no, Piper's journey, and um, having so many people make their own and meeting people that show me theirs that they did and to see all the different ways it's it's fun to see the diversity of personalities in the same pattern yeah
1: yep and you really see that in the magic cake ruffle shawl.
0: oh my goodness yes I love that thing um yes I'm still knitting my are you done with yours
1: I'm on the bind off,
0: are you really?
1: yeah, I think I can bind it off today
0: No, don't please don't why don't you why don't you wait till maine <laughs> 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 um, okay, so um since we had some positive things we're i'm going to ask a, a a touchy question, but i'd like to not dwell in the negative spot with it, even though well you'll see what I mean. What has been the biggest heartbreak or setback that you've had in knitting or spinning or even with um creating from source because you have these sweet little animals that you're you're raising to to cut their fleece so actually yeah let's dwell there for a second. Have you ever been so excited about getting a fleece and that maybe there was a setback or something that didn't work out with that and what you learned from that setback and how you moved on to, to maybe continue. Have you ever had a, a negative experience with? Yeah. Last year, um, the fleeces, uh,
1: were very dirty that, and I don't know if my sheep are just pigs or it just seemed like last year in particular, they would take out, a, they would Take a piece of hay. I have a f- hay feeder that <clears throat> is designed to feed toward the ground so that they don't have to reach up to get it so the, f- so the hay doesn't get on their backs. You mm-hmm. don't want the hay down in the fleece. So they would grab a mouthful of hay and then put their mouths over top of their n- neighbor and chew while the hay <laughs> is falling out of their mouths. They were like pigs. So the fleeces were very disappointing last year. Um, had a lot of hay, a lot of veg- vegetative matter in them, and that was disappointing. So, this year I bought um, um they're called sheep sheets or covers, and I covered them all. Oh, you didn't knit each I one just... their
0: own? No,
1: <laughs> no, I did not. Um they were, actually, they sound like kids in snowsuits when they walked to, next to each other because they had that little, you know, shoo, shoo,
0: shoo, <laughs> Oh, shoo. yes, yes, I remember it really that. That's
1: really kind of funny. But anyway, um, and then when their fleeces got bigger, they looked like puffed, you know, they were really puffy looking. It was kind of funny. <laughs> anyway, um, they, I just had them sheared uh, a couple weeks ago, and the fleeces are gorgeous. So that was a positive coming out of a negative.
0: Yeah. Were you able to, though, um... I know you said they were dirty from last year. So when they are really dirty mm-hmm. and have a lot of vegetative matter in them, I know I've bought yarn before at um, at functions that are locally sourced, and there is a lot of vegetation in the spun uh, skein, but uh, it's, it's kind of interesting to me. I have no idea how deeply dirty. Mm-hmm. These ones that you had are, but is there a way that you can reclaim them or do you just have to say, ah, Amy, you know, they're just, it's a learning experience. Chalk it up. Can you, is there a limit to how much times you can, you can wash them before they, well, if you have to, you
1: can't wash it out. The vegetative matter, usually you can't wash out. You have to pick it out. Oh, or if you comb the fleece with combs, Uh, with wool combs then you can get it out a little bit more but there is a lot of waste a lot of waste Mm. so um so it's not ideal it's a lot of labor for not much product so um and you know i'm fortunate that i don't it's this isn't my living so i don't have to um you know i'm not depending on this for my livelihood so I have 12 sheep. There's no way I can spin 12 fleeces in a year. I just don't have time. So I have the luxury of being able to not, you know, to, to waste it, basically.
0: Yeah. Well, you but actually share it, too.
1: I still have up in the barn, and um, if you want one. <laughs> <laughs> when we come yeah. to visit this summer. Yes, yeah, so I we'll give a lot of them see. away. Uh, I belong to a spinning guild, a local
0: spinning guild, so
1: yeah. You can take 12
0: of them home with you. <laughs> the 12-piece fleece. Uh, you actually share um, fleece. Bring a trailer. Yeah. <laughs> Just move in. You have sheep fleece <laughs> that you are sharing with the campers that bought the suitcases in Camp Aloha friends. They each got a little bit from the different. Yes. Um, their Samuel, yeah, and, Samuel uh, donated, right? Yeah, all of them did. I took a little bit of every
1: and they were all last year's fleece. So those th- those samples are are dirtier than this year's fleece.
0: Oh. So you learned. So sorry, from it. everybody. <laughs>
1: you got my um, rejects.
0: Well, I have I have a couple of them. I have ta- I took good pictures of. So maybe I'll put little pictures in so people can see the fleece that that you sent me.
1: Okay. So and, and actually, it's okay. Oh, it, it, it's a good. It's good to see. You know, if you're going to go, if, if you don't have sheep, but you want to, but you're a spinner and you want to start with a fleece, you can go to fleece sales. And uh, and you, you need to know what to look for. So you may want to make sure that there is not a lot of vegetative matter in the fleece that you're going to buy. And you want to make sure that there's not a lot of second cuts where the shearer has gone over one spot and then goes over it again. So you have very short fibers in there. You want to make sure that there is not that in the fleece that you buy, if you're going to buy a fleece to process it yourself, which is fun to do.
0: Oh, yeah. You sent me, um, long before Camp Aloha Friends, which actually got the the juices flowing, uh, when we had just moved to Kekaha, you sent me a a box of uh, some from Sweetie and Opal, and I don't know if Samuels was in there, but you remember you sent me a variety, and I did Mm -hmm. get some from Patrick. You gave me a little bit of Patrick's. Mm -hmm. Yes, and so yeah. that was a lot of fun to play with it and, and actually feel um, the is it it's the lanolin that makes it that kind of creamy feel to it or oily or uh-huh. yeah, I like and that too. and I like the smell. I remember it being very uh, pungent's Probably going to give off the wrong connotation because most people think pungent is is bad, but it, it was very um, pungent. It, it just remarkable yeah. how when you open it it's um very strong but not it wasn't strong in a way i was like ugh, yeah. you know walking in somewhere where it's curdled milk it was a very as soon as you smell it it evokes you, you think sheep you think outside you think yeah. being very close to nature and so um i cherish them i I don't know if I'll ever actually spin with them because I love them. And I keep them in Ziploc bags so that way I can get my sheep <laughs> fixed. So. <laughs> okay, I have a lot gonna more. Okay, we're going to wrap up with one last question. And as knitters and spinners and crafters, um, very possibly the person who is listening to this, their hands are in motion and doing things. They are keeping busy and our hands are our tools. And so I am wondering, what do your hands find themselves doing on a typical work day? Whatever that typical day would be, whether it's working at home on the farm, which I know you put in quotation marks, I consider you, I just picture you in the morning with the pitchfork out there. just. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I know you have to get up every day to tend to the animals before going off to work. So just a snapshot of, you know, every couple of hours, from the moment you hit the floor running to a couple of different things that stand out in the day, what are some things that you find your hands doing?
1: Well, um most most all of every day is spent somehow dealing with animals, so I get up and feed my own animals, um, the dogs and the cats and the bird, and then the, the farm animals. Now, the sheep are real low maintenance in the summer but you have to make sure they have water. So I go out to the bar and do that. And then um, my job at work, I'm a veterinarian. so uh, And my job at work is, uh, all I do is small animal surgery. So I go in and um, basically I'm still working with animals, um, doing whatever surgery they need done. Most, uh, a lot of them are spays and castrations. There's also cystotomies and, you know, um, without being too technical I guess, Um, bladder surgery or tumor removals. Uh, A lot of times dogs will eat stuff they don't they shouldn't eat so (laughs) I have to go in and take it out uh, that kind of thing and then I'll come home and I usually knit in the afternoon have tea have a cup of tea and knit so my hands are usually moving most of the day. Okay dinner for my family and knit some more Knit as much as I can.
0: (laughs) Since your hands have been busy and that's your typical day, and I know today is your day off, which is why I'm so fortunate to have this time to sit and chat with you, I'm going to challenge you before I put this up as an interview. So as you go throughout your day today, you have an iPhone, I know, because we text each other (laughs) a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm going to challenge you before you go to sleep tonight, I would like five pictures So that way the people who are listening to this can see five pictures from you random times during the day that I am going to capture and put on the blog. So um, friends that are listening, hopefully her hands will find themselves um, rubbing the ear of a lamb. That's the picture that I want. So (laughs) (laughs) that one's going to be completely posed. But randomly during the day when you find yourself – Doing these things, I would like for you to snap a picture. Then the challenge is five. If you don't give me five, I'm going to fire you. <laughs> I'm just okay. kidding. I don't have any. I have no recourse other than the fact that I have <laughs> asked you very nicely. And if I ask you, and then I put this out, and people are listening to it, and they go back to the blog, and they're looking for the pictures, they're like, "What the heck? Bob didn't come through. <laughs> she left Mel hanging." <laughs> just imagine all those sad faces. So, yes. I'll come through for you. Barb is going to show us five different things. Okay. So, what I'd also like to do is thank you deeply for spending, you know, the last 30 minutes of time with me and just sharing from your heart and your memory things that, um, that resonate with you. I know we have in, in common a love for crafts and um, fiber, but I find it so rewarding to take that surface that we have, that commonality, and to dig a little bit deeper. And with friends, you can um, see that there there are so many things about people that you have in common and other things that you are inspired to do. So thank you, Barb. I appreciate you sharing with me. Well, I appreciate you sharing with me every week. (laughs) (laughs) This is much more interesting than sitting in front of the camera and showing people that I haven't progressed on my magic cake rubble shawl. (laughs) 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 Okay, and so I'm going to say aloha and thank you so much for joining us.